Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. This morning's scripture, the first 17 verses of John chapter 3, includes the most famous verse in all the Bible. Let's hear together. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so much must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. By every cultural measure, Nicodemus was a rocking success. He was educated, wealthy, sat on all the important boards. He was not only a leader of the Jews, but as the first verse tells us, he was a teacher and a leading teacher in the Jewish community. His name even translates conqueror of the people. This guy is a winner. He's deeply rooted in the Jewish establishment. He's highly respected. So why all the unrest? There's something not completely satisfying 
about this list of rules that he knows inside and out. And what's more, there is something so compelling about this teacher from Nazareth. He's clearly a teacher who's come from God because otherwise he couldn't do the things that he does. Nicodemus is steeped in the ways of God, but he's also not closed off to any new revelation. He's still eager to learn, and he's just so drawn, so compelled by this teacher's embodiment of truth. So Nicodemus kind of makes his way, approaches him for a conversation. And Nicodemus approaches at night. You might remember from a couple of weeks ago, I I mentioned that details like this are seldom accidental, which is especially true in John's gospel. One of the themes woven throughout the gospel of John is this theme of light and dark. Sunshine and shadow. Anytime John is mentioning light and dark, we need to lean in. He's making a point. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and who can blame him? He's a leading figure in the Jewish establishment. He's on the board at the most prominent Jewish country club. He's patron of the Jewish art museum. You don't want to be seen at lunch with the leader of this fringe group who heals on the Sabbath and eats with sinners. But in John's gospel, everything has layers of meaning. As I've said, from Nicodemus's perspective, it makes sense that he'd want to sneak around and meet in the shadows. But from John's perspective, from the writer's perspective, there's also something theological going on here too. He's trying to tell us something else about Nicodemus because darkness in John's gospel symbolizes the absence of God. He's lost. In this gospel, there are children of light and there are children of the shadow land. And those who see the truth of Jesus are children of light and they are those who walk in darkness And Nicodemus is both skittish about his own position, and he's lost. And still, I admire him. I admire Nicodemus. I mean, I I do affirm the quick conversion of the tent revival, and I know mature Christians who've had an overwhelming emotional transformation of God's grace in their lives, who went from dark to light before you can sing three verses of Just As I Am. But I admire the Nicodemus Christians, and I've known a lot of them. Those who measured and questioned and asked hard questions Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, or some of your translations say without being born again. And Nicodemus is too smart, too inquisitive to just say, okay. He pushes back. How 
can anyone be born after having grown old? Can anyone enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born? Jesus answers, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh. What, of bo- what is born of the spirit is spirit. So Nicodemus considers and considers and by all indications he just slips back into the night. Again, I'm going to reference the sermon from two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I talked about the night, remember? I cataloged all the damaging things that can happen at night, how nighttime is rife for danger and bad choices. But Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, has helped me see and affirm that darkness is also a place where significant transformation happens. God appears to Abram and makes covenant with Abram and his descendants at night. Jacob wrestles the angel at night. Moses appears on the shore of the Red Sea. The Red Sea is in front of him. An army is approaching behind him. And the Red Sea parts at night. The shepherds were keeping their flock by night. When the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And that Savior was born in a feeding trough at night. Barbara Taylor says, New life starts in the dark. Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus was at night, and he walked away in the darkness. But new life starts in the dark. And we know this, because if you're like me, you've stared at the ceiling at night, in the darkness of a bedroom, asking the most ultimate and the most troubling questions of life. When the lights are off and the carnival has gone quiet and the clock just ticks and ticks, that's when we ask the real questions of Lent. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Who is Jesus anyway? Can I really trust my one precious life into the story told about an, told in an ancient Greek manuscript about a carpenter's son from Nazareth? Tick, tick, tick. But new life starts in the dark. Whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. 
And God is found in the darkness too because there is nowhere God is not found. Listen to the psalmist. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is is as light to you. Nicodemus had a lot to lose. You don't just choose to follow Jesus like choosing caramel macchiato. I mean, choosing to follow Jesus isn't like going for a self-help seminar that promises to make you an improved person. Choosing to follow Jesus means transformation, fundamental change, committing to loving God and loving neighbor, shifting from selfishness to selflessness. And Nicodemus had a good life. Cultural prominence, esteem in the community, multiple degrees, a beach house. You don't just say, yeah, I'll follow Jesus some on Sundays maybe. I told you, I admire Nicodemus. He knew that following Jesus was going to mean a whole new life for him, like like being born again. Born again, born from above. When, When we were born the first time, we leave the womb's darkness into the light of a new world. And in healthy families, we're born into the love and nurture and care of mother. She holds and protects. We find our safe place and our identity in her arms. Then we get lost in this big, dark world, chasing what doesn't satisfy. Until we're beckoned by God to be born again. This time born into the nurture and love of God. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Be born again. This time to leave the darkness for the light of a new life in God's spirit. This time in the lap of God's care and love. Who knows how many nights Nicodemus could not sleep after that nighttime encounter with Jesus. Tossing and turning, because to have a a life full of success and ease and esteem, and then to be confronted with the most true thing you have ever encountered, to meet the most fully human human, To be captivated by love and truth so blinding that everything else fails. How many nights do you figure he weighed and prayed if it was worth it to risk everything to follow Jesus? But he was compelled. As Frederick Buechner says, What impressed Nicodemus even more than the speech 
was the quickening of his own breathing and the pounding of his own heart. He hadn't felt like that since his first pair of long pants, his first kiss, since the first time his child, the time his child was born, or the time they told him he didn't have the lung cancer but just a touch of the flu. So at the end of John's gospel, Nicodemus emerges again. Chapter 19, we're in chapter 3 right now. Chapter 19, after the crucifixion, Peter's denied Jesus. Judas has sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus has been on the cross and said, it is finished. Jesus has come down from the cross and for some... This story appears to be over. But all the while, Nicodemus has been measuring whether or not this one sent from God was worthy of his full devotion, worth risking everything for. Because joining this Christian movement isn't like joining the Kiwanis. Nicodemus has been in the shadowlands, and to come out of the darkness To declare faith in Jesus Christ is to risk everything. And if Nicodemus comes out of the shadows, he is throwing in with all his weight and reputation and risking it all. And in chapter 19, Nicodemus walks out of the shadows. Joseph of, of Arimathea, who was also a secret Jesus follower stood with him in the sunlight. Joseph asked Pilate if he could take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So Joseph came and removed the body, and when he did, there stood Nicodemus with a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe. He could afford it after all. He stood there in the daylight with a hundred pounds of spices for Jesus' burial. And he helped prepare the body right there in the middle of the day. He and Joseph laid Jesus in a tomb. New life starts in the dark. Whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb... It starts in the dark. But you do not have to stay in the dark. Nicodemus and thousands of Jesus followers since have declared that it is worth it all to be born again. Born this time into the nurture of God's love and protection and guidance, born into the life of the Spirit that animates life and makes it worthwhile. So worthwhile that Nicodemus was willing to risk everything to follow what he could not turn away from being ultimately true. He didn't prove it with some formula. Jesus said to Nicodemus, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. And eventually, Nicodemus knew that was true. 
And he risked everything. He stepped from the shadows into the light of God's love. I told you I admire Nicodemus. And I know that some in this room are his descendants. I know because we talk. Some of you are still measuring and asking and weighing and considering God's claims and considering whether or not Jesus did come into the world to save the world and considering whether or not Jesus really did come that you not perish but inherit eternal life. I'm not going to soften the claim Jesus didn't just come for you to be an improved person. Jesus came for you to be a changed person with all the risk involved in walking in the daylight of God's love and God's promise. And you still may be measuring and weighing and counting and staring at the ceiling, but you also may have finally said, I know what is true is true, and it's time to step out into the sunlight and declare that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. However God is speaking, I pray that you'll have the courage to respond as we stand and sing together. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.